0: Welcome to the Redeemer Central podcast. Redeemer Central is a church community in Belfast seeking to practice the way of Jesus and work for the peace and good of our city. For more information, please visit RedeemerCentral.com. Um, this morning... I'm continuing our series uh, on values that we have as a church, and I want to talk this morning about the value that shapes our community, church as family. And I'm very aware that those two words can be hard for people, and so I just wonder as we begin, could you maybe pause and think what comes to mind when you hear that value, church as family? What sits with you? what do you pay attention to when you hear that idea? Because I'm I'm so mindful that there are people in our community and in our lives where church has been a place of harm or a place of tension or a place of pain. And also that family or families of origin can also be a place of rejection or, or hurt or a lack of acceptance. And so I want to be very sensitive to that. And also to remind those of us in the room where our experiences of church and of family have been good or good enough, as we say in in psychological terms, that you have such a gift to mentor and parent those in the room who have had trauma or pain or loss. And so together as family, we can move forward in a healthy way. But we need to own what we believe and and the wounds that we have. And, And that is important. And we need to create spaces that are safe and predictable and consistent where you can do that. And I hope to speak to some of that this morning. When things happen in our lives that cause us trauma and upset, what we tend to do is we retreat and we go into ourselves. And the trauma response is to withdraw and to avoid. And perhaps that's where you are today, or perhaps you coming back to church is taking a risk and starting again. And we applaud you for that, because that is brave and that is important, but it is not without a cost. And so I want to just begin with the wisdom when I think about that. No, I'm gonna start with this. The church is not an institution forcing us to follow rules, but a community, a family, inviting us to still our hunger and thirst at its table. And I wonder how many of us can say in all honesty that our experiences of church has not been an institution getting us to follow rules. I don't know over the course of my early life and and many church experiences, But I think I imbibed the idea that church was about rules and justice. And I had to be a certain person and be a certain way in order to be a follower of Jesus. And the older I've got and the more I've journeyed in my own and with others, I've realized that actually it is a family. And it is an invitation to a table where the deep thirst and the longing that is within me and within you for something of the kingdom is stilled at the table together. And that is the ideal, that is where we want to go. But if I think about us as people who have carried wounds, I think the wisdom of C.S. Lewis is really, really significant and important for us to think about. I want to read this amazing piece of His wisdom, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, and airless, it will change. It will not be broken, but it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable, because to love is to be vulnerable. And I wonder this morning, if you look at the course of your life or your journey with church and with family, have you got into that casket where it's dark, and safe, yes, you're not going to be hurt again. But your heart may never be broken again, but you will slowly shrivel up. And that part of you that is called to live on and to follow the ways of Jesus invites you into vulnerability. And so I hope this morning that what I bring to you, which I, the Lord has put in my heart, is an invitation back to community is an invitation back to family, is an invitation back to the table where you will have to take a risk and open yourself up again to relationship and to vulnerability. Perhaps you need this reminder from Henry Nguyen. No one person can fulfill all your needs, but the community, the family can hold you. The family can let you experience the fact that beyond your anguish, there are human hands that hold you and show you God's faithful love. Our capacity, I think it's on my next slide, and it's, it's a beautiful quote from Bessel van der Kock, and he's a writer of, of this era on neurobiology. This is how we were wired genetically. Every baby comes into the world looking for someone, looking for them, and this never stops. And inside all of us is that baby who is looking for someone, who is looking for me. And I believe that the call of the community is to be that family, to be that parent for each and every one of us, and that we can all be that together and we can all be family. Our capacity to destroy one another is matched by our capacity to heal one another. After trauma, restoring relationships and community is central to healing and recovery. No one will recover from trauma on their own. You need to be in relationship. Just as the majority of trauma is caused in relationship, the majority of healing is caused in relationship. And church, this community, can be the place where we create social conditions that that enable us to... to feel our pain, to recognize our pain, and then to heal and recover and to thrive. And I was really struck by this wisdom and this idea of staying together and working through pain. We were, a group of us were at Greenbelt and possibly one of the most startling hours that I spent was in the company of members of the large community. There was a panel of people who had been part of the large community for years and years. And if you know about it, it was started many, many years ago by a guy called Jean Devanier in France. And he, decide, he, he had this dream of people living in community, people with learning difficulties, people who did not have learning difficulties, and they all lived together. And the idea caught fire and moved all around Europe, and there are communities everywhere. But unfortunately, after his death, it became apparent, it came to light that there had been abuse and that he had misused his position of power, particularly with vulnerable women. And we sat in a a tent in the sunshine in Greenbelt, and we listened to five members of the community talk about their experiences. They didn't talk about the trauma, that wouldn't have been appropriate. They talked about how they had recovered. And there was a man who had significant learning difficulties and he very powerfully and strongly shared his anger at Jeanne and of what had happened and he said something that stayed with me and I found very moving. He said that in the aftermath of finding out what had happened he thought, I'm not safe, I can't be here, I have to leave, I can't stay in this community because they're all bad. And he said, that members of the community came around and saw him and talked it all through. And within a couple of hours of feeling, I have to go, I cannot stay, I'm not safe, he realised we have to journey this together. We have to heal together and we have to recover together. And that is the story that they told. And those of us who were there were so moved by their story of staying together together. And they did what I would consider healthy families to do. They kept it all very open. They didn't try and cover anything up. They named the difficulties. They invited people to tell their story. And they stayed together. And I think we have things to learn from how they managed that. They named the difficulties. They hid nothing. And they journeyed together. And they recovered and they healed together. And that, I believe, is an invitation to us. No matter your journey up to now, if we live as community, as brothers and sisters together, we can recover from whatever our experiences are. And I believe that is the call of the Lord for us as a community. If we look through the story of God... We are invited into family. The thread follows the meta narrative. It's one of the big meta narratives of the Bible. God's people living as family. If we look at the Edenic plan, the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve as family. If we look at Genesis 12, all nations will be blessed through Abraham. Genesis 49, the people of Israel, the people of God, will form 12 tribes to match the 12 brothers. And then if we go to the New Testament and the story of God, within the life of Jesus, he became human. He lived fully human, but he also always used the language of family. Who is my brother? He who follows the will of God. He spoke to the woman at the well, daughter, sister. He was on the cross and dying. And he said to one of the disciples, here is your mother. Here is your son. Family is the overarching theme of how we do community. If you see behind us, Galatians three twenty-eight. In Christ's family, there is no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. That is, we are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. Also, since you're Christ's family, then you're Abraham's famous descendant, Heirs according to the covenant promises. And throughout the New Testament, we see the expansion of the early church because they were totally countercultural. Sorry, Acts 2, 42 to 47. That day, about 3,000 took him at his word, were baptized, and were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe, all those wonders and signs done through the apostles, and all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources, so that each person's need was met. They followed the daily discipline of worship in the temple, meals in the home, and every meal was a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. Each day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. And in many ways we have come quite a long way from that early church. And if we look at the growth of the early church, it was... Because it was so countercultural. People lived and shared. No one was at want. It was completely different. Women and men were equal. Slave and free were equal. Everyone lived as one. And if we look at areas of the world now where the church is growing exponentially in ways that we can hardly imagine, it is because they live almost as Acts 42. They live in small little communities. They're not in big buildings. They live in small communities and they share life together. And I was thinking as I prepared for this this week about my journey with different churches and and different experiences. And it was brought to mind, um, and I'll come to that, but in the late 80s, um, we were living in London And Stephen and I got involved in a group called Thursdays. And 30-plus years ago, it was one of the early, perhaps, fresh expressions of church. So we didn't meet in a church building. We met in a pub in Soho. And it was the club scene in the 90s. Everybody was clubbing. And um, I hated clubbing, to be clear. But it was what everyone did. And so on Thursday, we met on Thursday nights. And we ran a club in a crypt in, near the British Museum. And so it was like a club night, lots of music and, and teaching and living together. But what we also did, we were all in our mid-twenties and probably the oldest person was 30. And those who earned more money, they paid the rent of those of us who earned less. And, uh, and we lived and we ate together and we really had very deep, intentional relationships. We were determined to change the world, and and we changed perhaps our own worlds. But we were lacking people further on in the journey, and um, and that probably came to light quite markedly to us really in the last few days. So. There was a couple called Mark and Vanessa who who joined around the time Stephen and I were thinking of moving back to Ireland with Olivia as a baby. And Mark Mark was a punk back in his background and he could never be doing with a church building. He had no interest. And he spent his life um, living in the margins. His wife, Vanessa, and him set up a, a small church in South London, and, uh, and then it came apart through a variety of events and he really unraveled in the aftermath of that and developed some um, mental health issues and depression. And, but he, alwe- he spent his days and his nights literally on the streets of London, talking with the homeless, being Jesus to them. He was a remarkable man, so whilst his wife Vanessa was teaching on a Sunday in their fellowship he was out on the streets. He saw no need to be in a church building. And very sadly, this weekend, he fell into the sea and, and he died. He had an episode of depression and his life came to an end, which is so sad because he lived a beautiful life. He followed Jesus passionately. But his wife put a beautiful tribute up and I read it last night and it it resonated to me. She said, at the time in the 90s when we were determined, we were giddy and heady and we were taking on the world for Jesus. But after it unravelled, we had no real wise elders or mentors to guide us. And that is what we needed. And it reminded me so powerfully. I'm not saying it would be as simple as if there had been wise elders. Mark's life might have gone differently. But what I am saying is that if we're truly living as community, we need the elders who have gone before us to remind us, to discipline us, to guide us, and to offer us their wisdom. And I think that is a model that we need to, to perhaps refine within ourselves. And so if we think that community and the table is where we can heal and recover, how do we do that as community here um, in this part of the city now? And so behind me, I think, as we start into the new season, I want to remind us of our tables. These are the places where we can intentionally meet every week we can be with one another and be the presence of Jesus with one another. We can be for one another. We can be at. Ad- we can be advocates for one another, and we can be on to one another. We can direct one another to the likeness of Jesus. And so that is the invitation to us as a community that we start to intentionally step back in and start at a table. There was a. I forgot to get the image of um, Kerry and Campbell's lovely table who grew vegetables as as an outworking of their love for one another and for this community. And they sold them to serve so that we can use the money. Those simple acts of radical grace and kindness are beautiful. And they remind us that that's what we're meant to do. We're meant to live together in community and talk and be together and we have four tables um, beginning in October. Uh, You can sign up from today. If you're interested in hosting or leading a table, we would love to hear from you because we need more tables. Our heart is that we as a community would all be part of a table because it's those deep, meaningful conversations every week that actually make the difference. It's not necessarily what happens on a Sunday. It's living and being and walking and journeying together where the elder in the community, whether they're elder in age or in experience, they walk together with us and together we create something beautiful. So I'd like to just perhaps remind you that the tables will be starting again. There's four already established and ready to go. We will be following the practicing the way as Dave spoke about last week. And if you're interested in hosting or leading, please talk to one of us. We would love to hear from you and use you in this community. The other thing I want to highlight as how we do family together very practically is the mentoring project that we're starting. And so we have a number of people who have already signed up and are keen to be mentored. And so we need and encourage people who want to mentor to sign up. We need the wisdom of the elders. We need the wisdom of those further on down the road. And it's It's not a big ask in that we are following a system that has been developed by the Elam ministry. You can go and have a look at it. SAFAR it's called. And so everything is done for you. So if you're going to mentor someone it's not like you've got to develop the program. We're following a beautiful program for new believers that they're using in Iran at the minute. And we've looked at it and it's a brilliant program. So can I really encourage you this morning that if you haven't Excuse me. If you've signed up to be mentored, that's great. Please sign up if you want to be mentored. If you would like to mentor someone, we need you. We so need you. I've talked this morning just about I want to be so sensitive to where people have been, but I also want to say don't stay where you are don't sit where you are (laughs) take a step forward take the invitation to come back in and to try again because in that there is healing and recovery and rejuvenation and as we come now to the table I want to just as a way of honoring our friend Mark who was a a wise man and a, a beautiful soul his wife published some of his letters that he wrote to her. And I thought about his wisdom and I want to leave it with us as we start to prepare to come to the table. Because I think if we follow this wisdom, this, this is what table and community and family is all about. So he wrote to Vanessa and he said, may we do one another the ton of good God wants to pass between us. Get his fire in your bones at any cost. (laughs) Don't let anything, especially me, get in the way of you and Jesus. See God in everything. Linger on the beauty in the world around and see God. Get his fire in your bones at any cost. And don't let anything, especially me, what a humble wise man he was, get in the way of you and Jesus. And his favorite phrase that he said all the time, it was the first words that Jesus spoke when he went into public ministry. Blessed are the beggars, for they will get to heaven. That was what Mark said as his most common statement. And I want to invite us now, just as Dave and uh, Lucas, not Joel, Joel had a panic there. Uh, (laughs) Lucas are going to lead us in worship. I want to say that this morning, the invitation I believe is to step back in. If you've been sitting on the edge of anything and particularly this community, we need you. We are better hearing all the voices and together moving forward. And so we would encourage you to step back in, to give of your time, to give of your money, to get into a table, and to together we will find and walk the ways of Jesus in this community together, but much more importantly, out on that street and to those who are lost, and her longing for connection. And I want to end with one of my favourite quotes from Rachel Held Evans This is what God's kingdom is like a bunch of oddballs and outcasts gathered at a table not because they are rich or worthy or good, but because they are hungry, because they said yes, and there's always, always room for more. So if you can see, I would like to invite you to stand just as we begin to to think about coming to the table. And I'd like you to think about this idea that you and I are beggars, beggars, And we're hungry and we're thirsty and we need more of God. And the way that we will do that and and find our way is to do it together. And so that is the invitation as we come to the table this morning. Blessed are you who are beggars because you will get to heaven. Take your time. Let's come as friends, as family. Let's serve one another. And... Judy and Griff, would you do the bread and the wine? And as we say every week, this is an open table. It's not ours. It belongs to the Lord. And the only requirement of coming to the table is that you choose to say yes and you come. The Lord gave of himself on the cross and invites you into relationship and community. And we long to be part of it with you. So come to the table now. Let's worship. And let's take the bread and the right wine. As we've been singing, we are all stories being written by you. And I wonder if you think of where you are in your story. Perhaps this week you can look around this community and think who can I be the hands of Jesus to in their story right now? Who can I be the outworking of the Father's love? And perhaps as, as we dive deeper into community with one another, we learn to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those around us. So take a look around this room at all the beautiful stories that are being written. Some are in grief right now. Some are in pain. Some are at the the top of the mountains because life is good. But together we are stronger and we will bring the ways of Jesus to one another. And that is the invitation of church as family. So if you're comfortable, let's just open our hands and and I will pray a blessing over us. Father, we come to you as the beggars. We recognize our hunger and our thirst for you and for the more of heaven. And in these moments by your spirit, for those who are grieving, bring your comfort. For those who require healing, bring your healing. For those who are wounded, make them brave to try again. And for each of us, Lord, we give you again our yes and amen. And we commit to you and we commit to one another and say through us and in us, bring your kingdom, the shalom of heaven to this earth for we pray it in the beautiful and mighty and precious name of Jesus and the people of God said Amen, Amen go in peace and as we say every week if we can serve you in any way it would be our great joy and privilege so please come speak with us Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Amen.